Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, it's Julian Murray, this is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have nothing to talk about today. Nope, no siree. Today is a very, very slow news week. There is nothing to talk about. Can you tell that there is a lethal amount of sarcasm in the start of this podcast yet? No, we have a metric ton to talk about. First, I want to follow up on the news that we were following breaking last week, and that is in regards to the GTA leak. GTA 6 was leaked by a hacker, and tons of development footage was leaked out. And I do mean tons. And two things pretty much came of this. One, how did all this footage leak out? Two, how hard is Rockstar and... Who's their publisher? Take two, I want to say? How hard were they going to crack down on the leaker? And then three, wow, why does all that footage look bad? I'm not going to lie. I was stunned, underlined, stunned by the sheer amount of people who looked at the GTA 6 footage and thought, wow, that looks terrible. What the heck did you think it was going to look like? It's development footage. What? You thought all the developers wanted to go ahead and test things over and over again to make sure their engine was working fine-tunely with assets that would take forever to load? No! Even if, the, if they had the assets, the final textures, and all the layers of polish on top of it, they're not going to load it in when testing stuff because they want everything to load as quickly as possible so they can get as much testing in as quickly as possible. Of course the footage didn't look polished because it's not polished. I was literally flabbergasted by the sheer number of people that didn't get this through their thick heads. It was leaked footage, like an actual leak, not a fake leak where someone's just like, oh man, look, look at uh, Superstar 69, whatever the heck leaked out. Oh man, all our precious footage looked out. Anyway, doesn't it look great, guys? It's not one of those leaks. This is an actual leak leak. This is what actual leaks look like. The footage is not going to look polished because it's not. I'm willing to bet if we caught your essay or whatever the heck your homework is halfway through you're working on it, it's going to look like garbage too. Guess what? The same applies for literally everything else. Jeez. Anyway, the update to the story, besides the fact that the internet is full of idiots that don't want to listen to logic and reason, is the fact that police have confirmed the arrest of the hacker suspected of the GTA 6 leak and also apparently in part involved in some other leaks, including an Uber leak, of which we still don't know the details of uh, uh, Uber leak. No, the Uber hack. Nothing's leaked out of Uber yet. That's part of the problem with it. We don't know what it includes. And it is concerning that we still don't know what the heck all leaked out from Uber. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, shifting gears pretty radically, Starlink is running into a problem. And you know what? It's kind of surprising this problem hasn't come up sooner. Do you want to know what problem that is? It's the fact that it's run by Elon Musk. And I'm kind of surprised we didn't foresee this problem sooner. See, here's the problem with it being run by Elon Musk. Elon Musk has a terrible habit of not being 
forthcoming with a lot of the stuff it does. They just aren't. They're never realistic in their promises. That's why we don't have an electric semi. They're never correct in their big outlandish claims. So Starlink being the pie in the sky dream that it is, it looked like I was fine, right? It looks like, hey, you know, we're getting very good DSL speeds anywhere in the globe thanks to Starlink's network of satellites. So what's the problem? Well, someone out there didn't think about bandwidth. As the popularity of Starlink is growing more and more and more and more and more people start taking up the the Starlink network, speeds are getting lower and lower because there's not enough bandwidth in Starlink. Personally, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed that this occurred and I wasn't able to predict it. This is so obvious in hindsight because of course, Elon Musk and his nuclear bomb proof windshield and his shot put proof windows didn't think about what would happen to all those fast speeds that Starlink had the moment there was a decent amount of traffic on the network. It's of course why a lot of alternatives to wired connections end up slowing down. (sighs) So what's the solution? Well, the solution obviously is launching more satellites, but eventually at some point you're gonna reach this threshold of we can't launch any more satellites because you've now blanketed the entire underline entire planet and satellites and there's just too many people on it this means that more and more and more higher end satellites need to be put up there someone in chat says the system is intended for more rural areas it is yes it is intended for more rural areas and even more remote areas than rural areas. But here's the thing, that's all that's on it right now are rural areas and it can't handle it. Like the bandwidth is actually getting so bad that the barely any cell signal you get out there is performing better than Starlink. And that is a problem. This, of course, really, it's not, it's not like this is the death of Starlink. Don't misunderstand me in that regards. This is just a very shocking problem that just kind of showed up that I am surprised everyone, including myself, were caught off guard of this problem. What we weren't caught off guard for is the fact that Microsoft is finally, finally cracking down on Windows 11 being on unsupported hardware. Windows Update on unsupported hardware is not functioning in Windows 11. All right, look, you wanna talk about bad management? Microsoft, you should have just not let us install Windows 11 on unsupported hardware, period. Cause this cat and mouse game of trying to like make life terrible for anyone who dares to try and breathe life into an older machine is getting really old really fast. Like, holy cow, this needs to stop. It really, really does. So is this just gonna be it? Is it just now officially 
if you don't have what is it eighth gen or newer hardware with uh secure boot and um the uh trusted platform module 2.0 on the board are you just finally gonna be left in the dust is that just how it's gonna be so if that's gonna be the case just tell us instead of trying to play this weird freaking screwing around game of trying to make us feel bad for trying to do the thing you said okay fine you can go ahead and do that uh i mean personally i've had the position out there that honestly if you have unsupported hardware just stick to windows 10 because windows 11 is going to make that computer perform like garbage anyway and windows 10 is perfectly fine until you run out of updates in what two years i want to say that being said though i am still very salty about um the fact that they said windows 10 is going to be the final version of windows and now here's windows 11 and microsoft has still not given us a very satisfactory answer as to why they have backed down from that initial statement but if you want to feel better about yourself i do have good news for you we do have the very first Windows 11 major update. And it includes such amazing features as... Anyway, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. Most tech outlets have out there, hey, the first major Windows 11 update is out. Cool, what does it include? Things? Question mark? I imagine most of it is just bug fixes, driver fixes, performance upgrades and that sort of thing but these major releases what they're supposed to be doing is that we get two feature updates and then one major update that's supposed to be similar to how mac os works mac os for those who don't know uh the way apple does their stuff is that they have the foundation the the foundational operating system which for whatever reason is still called Mac OS 10, even though the latest version is Mac OS 11. Actually, I think they finally dropped the X and it's just Mac OS. And then a random word, which does not help their naming scheme at freaking all. But that's the life we live in now in the world of, in the world of, my, of Apple. But they, they, they just get minor updates here and there until WWDC where, the, where they announced their big update and includes basically six key new features, a whole bunch of little under the hood things that nobody cares about and they never talk about, and that's it. That's what Microsoft is trying to do, but they're Microsoft, so they're bad at it. Because this is supposed to be the major update and we have something? We don't know. Oh, wait, we actually do know one thing. The new Windows 11 update does have one very wonderful feature. It messes up NVIDIA. What a great feature. Someone in chat asks, is this a service pack? Basically, yeah, this is basically a service pack, except they don't want to call it service packs anymore because Microsoft is inconsistent. In any case, Windows Update 2.2 H2 feature update released earlier this week is causing gaming performance issues with, they're just saying NVIDIA GPUs. Right now, NVIDIA is investigating the issue and they're currently saying just roll back the update in order to fix the issue. If you're wondering which NVIDIA GPUs, it looks like the answer is yes. It affects yes GPUs. People are saying all the way back 
to the 10 series is where they're seeing issues of course is working much worse on current gpus as someone who is using obsolete workstations and is not allowed forbidden from updating to windows 11 i have no idea what these issues are exactly but it's got, it's getting to the point where the performance issues are significant games dropping down to single frames per second not utilizing the cpu like it should going from 80 percent cpu utilization before down to five percent and can't get it higher than that it's unexplained it's just not letting these gpus and the system engage into the higher performance modes that it needs to to do these uh, what can you do what can you do in other news because there's no other way to integrate this into anything getty and shutterstock are now cracking down to ban ai generated images it is kind of interesting how for the longest time tech media has been fascinated underline fascinated with ai generated images and now every single image-based platform out there is doing everything in their power to ban ai generated images as people just started generating as many images as they can using these ais and just start flooding these markets with garbage or in some cases very good looking garbage very interesting looking garbage and basically trying to just shun out the actual good pieces of work done by actual artists so what's going to be the point of ai generated images down the road if no one can use them for basically anything i mean right now ai generated images are a gimmick everyone right now loves to just go ahead pop in something that'd be meme-tastic and then get some kind of eldritch horror or some kind of success or some kind of nightmare fuel some mix of those three most of the time where this all goes from here will be absolutely fascinating that being said though part of me is convinced that the mobile gaming market is a creation of ai i am like 99% convinced of this with the sheer amount of garbage games that are out there the ones that just seem to use just the same oddball assets but slightly different from each other with engines that don't even work a gameplay loop that is terrible but repetitive and how many of them just seem to start borrowing keywords from each other as though it's generated by some kind of algorithm to go take advantage of another search algorithm like right now if you go ahead and dive into the hellscape that is mobile game advertisements what would you say the percentage of those games have the word merge somewhere in the game title i'd say 50 percent. and this has been like this has been on my mind for a while that there is a clear evolution going on in the mobile gaming space where they just don't care about the actual game at all they just want to get downloads generate some revenue through ads or maybe if you're dumb enough to go ahead and utilize the microtransaction store then abandon the project and move on to the next one that will just go ahead and take advantage of search algorithms 
at least that's what it feels like and it basically does feel like some kind of like ai is behind it sort of thing doesn't it or is it just me what i can tell you though is we do have some news regarding another oddball piece of technology out there the logitech g cloud we have the specs for it we actually have the everything for it let me tell you and this is it's a device this sucker uses four gigs of lpddr4 ram 64 gigs of the cheapest onboard flash with a micro sd card for expanded storage a qualcomm snapdragon 720 and which is an octa-core 2.3 gigahertz processor which is actually a half and half processor for efficiency cores for performance cores and it's also a few generations old on top of that we have an xbox style button schematic dual joysticks and a d-pad a uh, wi-fi 5 card on there bluetooth 5.1 usb 3.1 back when usb actually decided to go ahead and use this crazy thing called logical numbers a seven inch screen that is at 1080p with okay brightness that's the best we can say about that it has a headphone jack which as we know is super rare a 6000 milliamp battery which is okay they're claiming up to 12 hours of cloud gaming and runs android 11 with google play so that's all well and good it's it's an okay it's something you'd expect from a cheap console but here's the problem with this console Here's the biggest problem with the Logitech G Cloud. The sucker costs $300. $300 for a handheld that's Wi-Fi only that can only game from the cloud. Unless you want to play some of those garbage AI mobile games I was just talking about. But why would you do that with, a no with your own standalone device when you can use this crazy thing called the phone that's already in your pocket? Now... Here's the last thing I'll say about it. Oh, not the last thing, I, I lied. But here's one thing I'll say about it. This price, I would contemplate if the Steam Deck didn't exist. The Steam Deck for what is essentially the actual base price of what they're selling it for. They're selling it for 350, but it's on sale right now, by the way, by on sale right now, I mean on sale forever. I guarantee you it's never gonna be 350, ever. This is some de deceptive marketing right here they have going on here, but we'll get to more deceptive marketing in a minute. Why would you go ahead and restrict yourself to an Android cloud device when the Steam Deck can play games locally, no latency lag, for $50 more? The only reason you do it is because you can't get your hands on the Steam Deck. But assuming you eventually could, why does this exist? But of course, on Logitech's own website, it has five stars. No one is critical of, the, of this device that everyone should be critical of. Ah, but there's a reason for that. You see, someone brought my attention over to good old Linus Tech Tips. Linus, apparently, on the WAN show, on his own podcast, performed an experiment. He tried to leave an honest critiquing review at two stars saying that on its face this product is a non-starter but we'll be happy to give it a chance 
down the road. After he left that review, live, on camera, it vanished. But he left another one, another, another order, another review, I mean, just saying 10, 10 out of 10, the best thing ever, and just a giant blasted meme review. And then also signed it with his co-host name just for added meme-tasticness. That review vanished and then reappeared moments later. This has now, this has now resulted in the Logitech's website for this device being filled with nothing but five-star reviews of absolute meme garbage. We have the first review from Logitech. Stop deleting bad reviews, you cowards, which is a verified reviewer. Five stars, 10 out of 10. This is the Nickelback of handheld gaming. It's It's music, but it sucks. 10 out of 10 would buy a Steam Deck again. Next one, five stars, the best value ever. This device is just fantastically overpriced. I plan to get one for everyone in my family. I grew up in a dysfunctional household. The gaming community has been waiting for this for a long time. This may be why Steam made a better version. Great job, Logitech. Logitech with your mouse and keyboard lines. (laughs) The next one from Towley McTowell. I have no idea what's going on right now. You're a towel. Just the the whole... Then we have another one. Dodgetech. Five star. Five woof review. Woof, 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 woof. What a hilariously bad review system. So, obviously, these reviews are not being curated by any, by any person whatsoever. A very, very dumb algorithm is looking this over. It's just, it's just looking at all four and five star reviews. Possibly only five star reviews. And only letting those get passed and not checking the content for anything at all. The thumbs up, thumbs down is doing nothing for putting the order of these reviews because one of these, the fantastically overpriced one, has more thumbs down than thumbs up. So they're clearly not looking at that at all. And by the way, this goes on for pages. And you can tell it's Linus that was responsible for this because we have one here. Five stars from Quack Stuff. Hey, Linus, this is here. We have another one, LTTV, verified reviewer. Amazing, Logitech can do no wrong. I want five of them. So the entire Linus Tech Tips crowd just absolutely review bombed this entire thing. I am never going to find, I'm never going to actually find the one that Linus actually posted, am I? But this entire review system is just garbage. This should also just be a good lesson to something I would say the overwhelming of people already knew. Websites with on that, that have their own review system that review their own, that, that let users put up their own reviews, there is almost always something behind the scenes to make sure that they don't let their own stuff get review bombed. Like, let me be perfectly honest. Five stars for this device? You're suspect. Would you find their review system much more believable if it was four and a half stars? Seriously. I'm willing to bet most of you out there said yes. Someone in our chat just said yes. 
Five stars, though, you're immediately suspect. And the main reason why Linus himself was very suspect of this right off the bat is because the thing's for pre-order and there are already reviews. The device isn't out yet. And there's reviews up for it. Come on, man. <sighs> that being said, though, if you want a good laugh, you absolutely should head over to logitechg.com, find the cloud handheld gaming console, and go through the review section. Because I'm not going to lie, there are some pretty good randos with some pretty good meme content here. It looks like almost all the review bombing happened on the 24th, because that is when almost all of these are here. Oh, there we go. Oh, I just got to the end, and the they, they actually let one four out of five star review go through. And it just says, hi, Luke and Linus, twice. I'm actually wondering. Actually, no, they are letting a bunch of four stars through. All right, here we go. We, I finally found the earliest ones. We have one that just says, it's American made. This device is a great new addition to the world of gaming. It has all the features you could look, look for in it. It does everything right. Okay, then. Then we have UK, please. Please release in UK, please. And then the meme reviews start. I want to see if I can actually find the Luke post. Oh, there we go. I, I, I found it. I found the, the, the Luke post. Love this thing. It's amazing that Logitech has seen the future and built this product. It's like they are looking into my mind and seeing what I want and building it before I can even think of it. Logitech, thank you for bringing the cloud future to the present. I only just now realized I've been waiting for this product my whole life. Incredible. Just absolutely incredible. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Twitch. That's all you need to know. The segment you're waiting for is up next. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Twitch had a week. To say they had a week is an understatement. So, there is a metric ton of streamer drama out there. I could do an entire podcast on just the streamer drama, but there's plenty of other things that were even talked about. The only thing you need to know, the only streamer drama that really matters for this context is the fact that one streamer of which I already forgot their name was caught or rather confessed to scamming viewers, other streamers and more into giving them money to feed a gambling addiction. This amounted to upwards of $300,000. Coffeezilla actually has a very good video covering the exact details of this, but this led to a call out for Twitch to end gambling, gambling streams on, on Twitch. And this has been a hot button issue for a long time on Twitch. 
mostly because a lot of the gambling that's being done on Twitch is from unregulated sites such as stake.com, Rollbit, Dualbits, Ro- Rubet, and more. These sort of things being unregulated means that they could go ahead and set their win percentages to zero and no one could do anything about it. And because they were using cryptocurrency, it added an extra layer of sketchiness to it. The fact that this was even allowed to be streamed on Twitch and put themselves into what could very easily be a legal nightmare is astonishing. It is utterly incredible. It took Twitch this long. It took Twitch years to finally crack down on what could have easily had been a lawsuit that could have bankrupted them. Twitch announced the following on Twitter. Gambling content on Twitch has been a big topic of discussion in the community and something we've been actively reviewing since our last policy update in this area. Today, we want to update you on our plans. While we prohibit sharing links or referral codes to all sites that include slots, roulettes, or dice games, We've seen some people circumvent those rules and expose our community to potential harm. Let me interject. You potentially expose people to harm by just streaming these games in general, period, bar none. To try and say that your half measure, not even your half measure, your 5% measure was worth anything is an insult on its face. Having these even be shown that this kind of unregulated gambling where they could go ahead and to the sponsored streamer, give them a ton of house money to play with and give them inflated odds that they were coming out winner, 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 winner. And then just say, oh, where is it? Oh, it's uh, it's over here. Just even showing it and saying, oh, yeah, it's this place is exposing the community to harm, not even potential harm to harm period and this has been going on for a while like i said years since 2020 the post continues so we will be making a policy update on october 18th to prohibit streaming of gambling sites that includes slot roulette or dice games that aren't licensed either in the u.s or other jurisdictions that provide sufficient consumer protection these sites will include stake.com rollbit dualbits and rubet.com however we may identify others as we move forward let me interject this entire section is super loaded it cannot include slots roulette or dice games these specific games in the world of gambling are what are referred to as pure luck. These are luck games. There is no skill involved. Actually, you know, before I get to my point, I just realized that the rest of the post actually gets to my point. So the blog post continues. We will continue to allow websites that focus on sports betting, fantasy sports, and poker. Now let me interject. You notice how card games are not included on this. I think this is a terrible mistake. Now, as someone who does play poker and is actually, I wouldn't say good at poker, but I'm competent enough to usually 
during a friendly little penny any poker game we play with friends on New Year's Eve, usually come back a few dollars richer. The important thing with poker, of course, is to know when to stay in and when to bail, how strong your hand is against what knowledge you do have versus what's out there. The thing is, is that virtual poker gives you the illusion of skill. Actual poker or actual blackjack or actual or playing card games with physical cards eliminates a lot of potential cheating. Not all cheating, just a lot of potential cheating. Once it's virtual, all bets are off. The website can do whatever the heck it feels like. Personally, if I were Twitch, I would just straight up ban any and all forms of virtual gambling that use real money, whether it be cryptocurrency, and I want to especially include cryptocurrency in there because that's where the sketchiest of these virtual gambling sites are, or actual physical legal tender. And I want to stress virtual websites. You want to go ahead and you're a big poker tournament, you want to go stream, you know, your your thing on there, I think that's fine. I would say arguably watching some very, very good poker players playing physical poker and actual table would be very interesting. But a virtual one, you can do whatever you want. You have two kings down in, in Texas Hold'em. You can just very easily just virtually edit it later on so that uh, that AI you're facing has uh, two aces and beats you out that way. You can do whatever the heck you want because it's virtual. You can disobey all the rules, all the odds, no matter what. Now, in fairness to Twitch, they do say that they reserve the right to identify others as they, quote, move forward. So let's move forward and finish the post. It continues. We'll share specifics on updates to our gambling policy soon, including full policy language. Let me interject that we will be very focused on. That is always the important thing when the affiliate, like I even did it here. When the affiliate contract came out, I covered it to the detail on the podcast so that I knew and all of you knew exactly what was in there. And of course I made sure before that to actually read the contract and make sure there was no clause in there saying I could be held legally confidential if any of the details of this contract gets leaked out. That's actually pretty standard stuff if that was in there. It wasn't, so I shared it. Welcome to the world of contracts. So we'll be very curious as we close on October 18th what they cover. And I want to say that October 18th is um, shortly after TwitchCon. TwitchCon this year is actually going to be the most important TwitchCon, I would say, of Twitch's life. And the main reason this upcoming TwitchCon is going to be the most important TwitchCon of Twitch's life and determines whether Twitch lives or dies, and I do mean this very literally, is because of the blog post. At 2 in the morning, Pacific Time, which is where Twitch's HQ is, Twitch put out a letter hoping no one would see it. I am convinced because of this time frame and the fact that it came the day after the death of sports betting or I'm sorry, the death of 
bet or gambling in general, sports betting specifically was omitted. I'm indifferent on sports betting, to be perfectly honest. They put out this letter. Now, this letter I covered in great detail and great emotional passion on the early bird briefing. I am probably going to repeat some of the same notes that I had there. Some people even recommended that I just edit out that rant and just post it here in Eagle Eyes on Tech. I don't want to do that because it's been a few days and I can look at this more logically and slightly less emotionally. But like I said, a lot of the same notes are still going to be here. So in the same fashion as I did on the early briefing, I am going to go ahead, read the entire letter per verbatim, and interject where I feel necessary. You will hear me say, let me interject when I am switching from the letter of the letter and my own thoughts, and then mention when the letter continues. All right. I am now out of water. So let us begin. It is titled a letter from the Twitch president, Dan Clancy on subscription revenue shares. Hello, Twitch community. I'm Dan Clancy, president of Twitch and responsible for the day-to-day operations of the service. FYI, this blog is being targeted to streamers, but everyone of course is welcome to read along with us. Let me interject real quick. I will say this much. They didn't do the cowardly glitchy thing they tend to do with blog posts they don't want read. The Twitch blog is an atrocious site to begin with. Nine times out of 10, that one blog post that I need to go ahead and talk about, you cannot find on the front page. This one, to Twitch's credit, is actually there front and center at blog.twitch.tv. That being said, I do not recommend you go to blog.twitch.tv because blog.twitch.tv is still an atrocious site that will offend your senses. The blog continues. This morning, we reached out to a subset of streamers about some upcoming changes to their agreement terms. This blog gives us an opportunity to be clear with all streamers on Twitch about those changes and talk more broadly about our strategy to help streamers make more money on our service. Let me interject. I want you to remember this sentence. Help streamers make more money on our service. That is the theme of this blog post. And I want you to keep that front and center as I go through the rest of this. This is all about it getting you, the streamer, to be able to make more money on the service, all right? I want you to keep that in mind. The blog post continues. Streamers are and always will be the foundation of our global community. It is your passion, hard work, and creativity that makes Twitch the one-of-a-kind place it is. To bring it back around more directly to this blog's topic, we can't run this service unless you make money. That's not a drawback. It's by design. This innate partnership is why we support all streamers' career and ambitions like they're our own. Let me interject. I want to know how. This sentence has actually bothered me the most over the past few days. I have been stewing 
on this blog post since I ranted about it for almost an hour the first time on the early bird briefing. But this sentence really eats at me because they say we support all streamers' career and ambitions like they're our own. You want to know what I got as far as support from Twitch? I got a questionnaire that I filled out once that basically asked me how much of a minority I am, which the answer is not really, and a charity tool. Oh yeah, and of course, the tool I hate the most, the automated ads tool that flies in the face of exactly how I want to run my stream. I state this again and again and again. As a streamer, you are multiple jobs. You are the on-host talent of your show. You are the producer of your show. You are the director of your show. You are the sound engineer of your show. You are the visual engineer of your show. You are the advertising department of your show. You, as a streamer, have tons of roles to fill. Literally. But the way Twitch wants you to run these ads is with this automated tool and they have been pushing people to use this atrocious tool harder and harder and harder and in their fairness they do say hey affiliate you can earn a 55 percent ad revenue split if you go ahead and run this tool that will go ahead and automatically automatically insert ads and take away content from your show automatically it is a terrible system. It is a system that the only people that should be using it are the people who stream full time and need that revenue to pay their bills. If you're doing this as a hobby like I am and you're using this tool to automatically run ads, stop. You are hurting yourself. The correct way to run ads on your stream content is have a timer set aside on like your stream deck or something when it's up switch to a brb stream or scene run your ads get up refill your water take a break walk around get that blood flowing that is the healthy way to do it just as they do on literally every other live production no production out there in media interrupts the ongoing content with an ad and then just comes back into it. The fact that this tool, and it's the one that Twitch is insistent that you use. If you want that juicy 55% ad revenue split, you have to use their tool. If you don't, well, then I hope you enjoy your dollar, your complete dollar of ad revenue. Oh no, I'm sorry. They apparently felt to be more generous with my ad revenue. I just looked, it's $1.85. Cool, that makes up for everything. But of course, only the partners get the actual deal deal. And quite frankly, here's how Twitch should have done it. They should have, instead of making this atrocious tool, work on improving their technology to see when I'm running ads and count that towards, say, the kind of ad deal you're offering to only the partners right now. That the that like offer thing that you see a lot of streamers showing off, that's partners only. And the algorithm for that system too is 
a very weird piece of hot garbage. A lot of people are finding there's something very suspect of the way that is being done. But I don't mind if it was say like, oh, hey, partners get a better cut of that than affiliates. That I wouldn't care about. I really wouldn't. It gives me something to look forward to, to try and build up there. But as we'll get to down the blog post, they are seriously hurting their growth potential in ways that are going to be extremely difficult to recover from. So instead of me rambling off about a lot of my points I've been stewing on, let us instead continue with the post. Before we talk about what is happening next, we need to share some information for context. For subscriptions, we use a baseline revenue share of 50-50 on the net revenue from those earnings. The vast majority of Twitch streamers have these terms in their agreement. However, for some time we did offer standard agreements with premium terms to select streamers as they grew larger. This isn't something that we talked about publicly, but such details are common knowledge within the streamer community. Historically, we didn't have a consistent framework to determine who would receive these deals and when. Over a year ago, we made the decision to begin to stop offering these premium agreements to new streamers not already on these terms. As we reflected on how we handle these premium deals, we realized a few problems. First, we have not been transparent on the existence of such deals. Second, we were not consistent in the qualification criteria, and they generally went to larger streamers. Finally, we don't believe it's right that those on standard contracts they have varied revenue shares based on the size of the streamer. Let me interject for a minute. This is another line I want you to consider. We don't believe it's right those on standard contracts to have varied revenue shares based on the size of the streamer. Keep that sentence in mind as we proceed onward. The blog continues. In an ideal world, all streamers would be on the same set of terms regardless of size. However, instituting that policy would have a negative impact on the streamer community on these terms, many of whom were instrumental in helping us build the Twitch we know today. These streamers have come to depend on the additional revenue split to maintain their standard of living. Let me interject. In an ideal world, all streamers would be on the same set of terms regardless of size. If that's your ideal world, why have the partnership program? Why have the ambassador program? Why have the affiliate program? You create this hierarchy that gives additional incentive beyond the obvious for streamers to grow their stream and become more and more successful. And in fact, actually, the structure makes sense from the point of view of we want to make sure the platform is profitable. Because as they'll talk about later on, they're saying it costs big money for a small stream like my own to be powered by servers to feed tons upon tons upon tons upon tons of different servers and be sent everywhere. So a lower split, split because my smaller audience can't generate the kind of revenue you're hoping for and thus I'm operating at a loss for you, supposedly, it'd be more fitting for me as a smaller streamer to receive less because more of it has to go to the upkeep. So this whole thing about we want everyone to be equal Let's be honest, it's just the president's way of trying to butter up everyone else. Try and say that, no, we're totally looking out for you. We're totally looking out for you. In reality, they're just making up BS to try and 
cushion the blow of how greedy they are. But but again, let's go ahead and uh, continue the blog post. For these streamers still on these premium deals, we are adjusting the deal to retain the 70-30 share split for the first $100,000 earned through subscription revenue. Revenue above 100,000 will be split to the standard 50-50 share split. Let me interject. This is a detail that's getting lost a lot. A lot of people are saying, oh, there's just 50-50 split across the board. No one's ever seen 70-30 again. Those on the deal currently will see that 70-30 for the first $100,000 they earn through subscription revenue for each year. We confirmed this later on during the early bird briefing that in fact, this is annually. So I would say for the overwhelming majority of people that are on this and actually need this kind of revenue, like I know one streamer has two kids, is on this legacy 70-30 split because he's been on Twitch since 19 always, and he needs that revenue to support his two kids. In addition, he lives in a country that taxes his income heavily. So that first 100,000, you know, he's not seeing that full 100,000. A large, large chunk of that is being taken in country taxes. That's another thing to keep in mind too. This is all pre-tax. So it's like, oh man, they're making a sick figure income. It doesn't matter. It's just like, mm, that's gross, not net. And that can be a huge difference. Let me tell you. The blog post continues. We're announcing this change now, but it won't go into effect until after June 1st, 2023. Let me interject. I mentioned, I mentioned on the earlier briefing that this is a very odd date. A lot of people speculate that this matches up right with when Twitch starts their fiscal year. So that could be the reason for this June 1st, 2023 date. In fact, I think some people in my chat during the time that I was off on a very emotional tirade on this whole blog post, that that could be the reason why. And more people seem to have come to that same conclusion. We still don't know for certain, but that appears to be the general consensus. The article continues. After that point, streamers will only be effective once their existing contracts are up for renewal. All streamers with these terms have already received this information and more via email. And we will make sure to, to give them exact updates and timelines as we get closer to June 1st, 2023. For approximately 90% of the streamers on standard agreements with premium subscription terms, this change will not affect them at their current revenue. For those who are affected, we want to make sure the impact is minimal, not by not just by giving them ample time before the deal goes into effect, but also by offering an alternative way to earn revenue. <laughs> hey, oh boy, here we go. Our recent bump in ad revenue share to 55% as part of the ad incentive program is a great way for these larger streamers to make up most, if not all, of that revenue. For those interested in additional details, we have provided a copy of the email that we have sent to some of these streamers explaining the change and how it affects them below. You see why I went, let me interject. The, you see the reason why earlier I went into such detail 
about the ad tool they gave. Yeah, it's atrocious. And again, this is their goal. They want you to go ahead and use their half-baked inferior garbage tool that no one should use unless they their fi- their fiscal livelihood depends on it at all. It should not be used, period, end of story, unless you absolutely have to. I know a few people that absolutely had to. The example I gave earlier, absolutely has to, the guy has two kids, but it takes away from the content. One of my personal favorites though, is of course one of the benefits to subscribing on Twitch is that you don't see ads. However, one thing that was in effect, I don't know if it's actually been removed yet or not, was there was an option to have banner ads and these banner ads would show up. Yep, they're still there. These banner ads would, first off, they were very intrusive. They were the most intrusive banner ads I've ever seen because they actively shrunk the entire stream window slightly. Very, very intrusive. And those banner ads could not be ignored if you subbed. Yeah, I think everyone disabled that like the moment they could. But that was on by default. That could have been something good if it weren't for the fact that, you know, Twitch deft it. <sighs> the blog post continues. It's a reality of our business that we will, in rare cases, continue to negotiate custom turns on a case-by-case basis. However, we've been reducing how often we offer these deals and the total value of these deals. Now let's get to the big question. Why not 70-30? Let me interject. I want you to pay very, very close attention to the language used here. And I want you to consider this. Twitch's number one competition right now is YouTube live streaming. YouTube live streaming, the program to get ad revenue is harder than Twitch affiliate. It is straight up 100%. It is harder to go ahead and and get YouTube partnership. But if you get YouTube partnership, you get a sub button, you get the super chat button, which is just like bits in Twitch, and the revenue split on those is 70-30 across the board. So armed with that knowledge, let us continue. When we first established the 50-50 revenue share split, it was to signal that we were in this together, that you all do amazing work. I'm sorry, that you all do the amazing work you do to create great content, engage the audience and grow communities. On our side of the partnership, it's our responsibility to make continuous investments in the products and people that make your growth possible. At the time of this posting, more than 22,000 of you have weighed in on user voice, asking us to move all streamers to 70-30 and to pay streamers faster. Let's chat about the latter part first. Let me interject. Yeah, because that's the much more uh, comfortable subject. And the one that you can go ahead and actually explain first. The madness continues. As you probably heard by now, we're in the middle of rolling out the largest change in payouts in years by cutting the payout threshold in half to $50. This is an important middle step that'll help streamers put money in their pockets now while getting us closer to the goal of same day payouts and lower thresholds. Investments like these are paying off for streamers. Products like 
Prime Subs, Community Gifting, Hype Train, and the Ads Incentive Program. Let me interject, which, by the way, only partners get their hands on. The, the blog continues. To name a few, have driven an increase of 27% more streamer revenue per viewer per hour every year over the last five years. Uh-huh. See, look at that. You got 27% more. You don't need that 20% extra revenue. That's silly. You're silly in the head. Now, getting back to that whole, we've given all these features, so what does it matter? Community gifting. YouTube live streaming has community gifting, by the way. Hype train? We don't need the Twitch hype train. There are plenty of third-party sources out there, usually powered through our alert system. I know I have it in Stream Elements. I know Streamlabs has it. Those are your top two alert systems. They have features in there to create something akin to the hype train. The only thing that Twitch has over YouTube is the Twitch Prime subs, which for reasons that cannot be explained have been happening less and less as Twitch has made it not as obvious that you have this. I know compared to the first year when, when Prime subs came out compared to now, the rate of Prime subs was much, much higher. Like I would say on a small stream like my own, and I don't have everyone's numbers, I only have my own numbers. I would say Prime subs have dropped something close to 70 to 80%. Before it used to be its own independent button with a different color. Now it's a checkbox hidden at the very bottom that you have to scroll for. And it's affected the number of Prime subs you see. If I go to my own analytics, which for some reason I now can't find to save my life, I currently have 47 subscribers. You want to know how many of them are Twitch Prime subs? Two. And last year it was, and last month it was one. The other thing I'm noticing, that whole 50-50 split thing. Yeah, the amount I get for a Prime sub is $2.36. 14 cents less than a normal sub. It used to be the full 250 but I'll give him credit, at least one Twitch Prime sub does completely outweigh an entire month's worth of ad revenue. I'm just saying. And it's made even more maddening by the fact that not only is Twitch Prime subbing harder to find, as someone in the chat pointed out, the Prime price went up. And not by a rounding error either. Like, I want to say it went up something like 30 40 50 $60 a month or something like that. I know we reported on it, and now I'm drawing a complete blank on how much is going up. I want to say it's not going up as much here in the States, but it's going up significantly across the pond. If only there was some kind of internet we could go to to, to get this information on hand. Yeah, it went up $20 here in, in the States. Over in Europe, it is going up 15 British pounds. And actually, some of them are going up as high as 43% according to TechCrunch, which I'm pretty sure this is the article I used to initially talk about it in some areas. Yeah, the French are paying an extra 43% on top of their current 49 euros. Germany paying 30% more. The United Kingdom is being hit with 20% more. 
So it's a double blow for our streamer friends across the pond. So this whole paragraph here of trying to talk about how Twitch offers so many features and 27% more revenue per streamer per hour and whatnot, you know, it makes up for that thing. Don't worry, but don't worry about it. Yeah, that argument is bollocks. I should use bollocks more often because no one cares if I say bollocks, but people do care if I say the words that are abbreviated by saying BS. It's those creative things to make sure that you don't get flack and aren't labeled as an explicit podcast. Anyway, this bollocks filled blog post continues. Investments like these are paying off for your streamers, products like prime subs, community gifting, hype train and ad incentive programs, name a few, have driven an increase of 27% more streamer revenue per viewer hour every year over the last five years. This means the stream, the same viewer hour now earns you three times more money than it did five years ago on average. Let me interject. No, 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 it doesn't. If anything, I would argue compared to five just based on my own numbers. And again, I can only base this on my own numbers compared to five years ago. The amount of revenue I make as an affiliate is, I would argue about the same. It probably went up about 20%, but for various other reasons, it stayed about the same. So to try and say that I've earned three times as much is pretty much these clowns just pulling numbers out of their arse. And keep in mind, when I look at revenue, I look at the gross revenue in. This includes all the avenues. Twitch can now look at this and go, oh yeah, we totally make more revenue in now. Now there's affiliates. Now we have bits. Now we have this new rev- revenue of making money, this, this one. They don't take in account the other revenues we do from third-party sites. But in any case, this blog post of excrement continues. Our investments into your monetization options have already and continue to put more money into streamers' pockets than 20% more sub revenue share would have. Do I need to interject and tell you why that is complete bull pie? Or has all my interjections up to this point proven my point that this has absolutely nothing to do with we have already given you more than enough and you don't need that extra 20%? (sighs) The blog post continues. Prime subs often get lost in the conversation when it comes to revenue share. Let me interject. Because you made them lost! Where are the prime subs? We've been wondering that for a while now. Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. It's crazy. It's almost like hiding the button for prime subs has made it so that there's almost no prime subs. Wow. By the way, that in itself is part of the reason why, despite the fact that my stream has grown over the years, slowly but surely has grown, and the revenue stays about the same. It's because the incentive of that free prime sub has been lost. It's only because sub gifting and very generous people in my chat that the revenue has stayed stagnant. So, I mean, if we want to go ahead and talk about numbers and all that sort of jazz, Mr. Twitch president, that's the bigger reason. 
But you want to know why that's not being pushed nearly as hard? It's because their biggest competitor, YouTube, has membership gifting. Membership, for those who don't know, is the same as Twitch subscriptions on YouTube. You now need to focus on these other features because they're ones that YouTube doesn't have. The bollocks post continues. For Prime subs, we pay streamers the same amount they receive for our regular subscription, even though it's included with the added benefit of their Prime subscription. Let me interject, we literally just talked about how that is not the case. No, it's not. I have it right here in my own numbers. It is 14 cents less than the sub revenue. I'm just saying. Which, by the way, if we want to talk about percentages, that is, oh, 6% less. Funny how that works. It actually has no significant meaning. I just felt like I needed to convert it to percentages, seeing as how he loves to talk about in percentages, even though percentages are incredibly misleading. Especially since you can just make up a number like 27% and say, see, 27% higher than 20%, so all okay. However, the Twitch president's biggest downfall is the fact that we know math. I have a calculator on my wrist for crying out loud. Everyone has a calculator in their pocket, much to the shame of all of our elementary school teachers that insisted that nobody, that you wouldn't have a calculator on you at all times. Yeah, how'd that work out for you? How'd that work out for you, second grade teacher? We showed you. The blog post continues. Combined with our other monetization products, Prime subs increase your effective revenue share by approximately 15% to about 65% total. Did you also know that 50, that 65% of all statistics are made up on the spot? Much like that one and this one right here? I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't mention that I was interjecting with a sarcastic comment, but I'm willing to bet. Actually, there's a decent chance you didn't notice the difference just because this whole thing just reeks of corporate greed and sarcasm. The blog post continues. This number varies by streamer size and location, but subscription revenue is not the full picture of revenue share for streamers. All right, let me interject. Let me compare my revenues and I'll go ahead and switch it to percentages just because I can. I'll just say this much. Sub revenue is by far the biggest chunk. In fact, the actual, actually, how do I want to do this? I say I know math, and then all of a sudden, when it comes to the point that I've actually got to, like, do math, I'm, like, blanking out on how exactly I want to do this. So we'll add uh, the cheering revenue and uh, the ad revenue. Then we'll divide that by the total, and that will give us 17%. 17% of my revenue is not from paid subs, prime subs, and gifted subs. For this last revenue cycle, I didn't get any direct donations. I know that for a fact. So that can easily be taken off the table and I run no other third-party programs at this time. Now, of course, you go ahead and subtract that, that percentage. That means 83% of that revenue is from subscriptions, from paid subs, Prime subs and gifted subs. Gifted subs being, as anyone in the community could probably guess, 
being the overwhelming majority from very, very generous viewers. And I am very grateful for that. I do feel like I'm obligated to say that because, you know, they are. And it's also amplified not only at the moment, but then when you look at the overall numbers. I'd like to thank Apple's software update for getting in the way of this podcast. Now then, let us continue to this nonsense. The blog post continues. Lastly, we have to talk about the cost of our service. Delivering high definition, low latency, always available live video to nearly every corner of the world is expensive. Using the publishing rates from Amazon's Web Services Interactive Video Service, which is essentially Twitch video, live video costs for a 100 CCU streamer. This means 100 concurrent viewers who streams 200 hours a month are more than $1,000 per month. Let me interject, no, it's not. You wanna know how I know that's not it? Because that price is full retail for a, core, for a 4K video upstreamed at, at an 8,000 bit rate, at an 8,000 kilobit bit rate. Not only is this not the rate that Twitch pays, this isn't even the rate a normal person going to Amazon would pay. This number is a flat out lie. Straight up. 100%. So not only the meme of, and people in chat are, are, are repeating it because it was the biggest thing ever, that not only is Twitch not playing full retail, according to what they're trying to say, they pay more than full retail because you can't stream 4K to Twitch. The most you can stream to Twitch is 6,000 bitrate 1080p. That is the most you can upstream to Twitch. And even if you are a nobody that has no affiliation with Amazon or cut any kind of deal, the retail rate would be less than $1,000 for that. This more than $1,000 number was solely fabricated out of thin air. They pay significantly less for this. Oh, and by the way, just as a friendly reminder, seeing as how someone in chat wanted to kindly remind us, um, that whole, you know how Twitch doesn't offer 4K video? YouTube does. YouTube offers 4K live streaming. Oh, and by the way, YouTube offers a 70-30 split across the board. I'm just saying. Someone in chat asked, maybe... Twitch is paying taxes on that 1,000. So here's the problem with that. Twitch wouldn't pay taxes to a department they are part of. An internal budget would never pay taxes on purchases to itself, which is essentially what this would be. Taxes in the US would be paid on if the sale was made outside of the company or just on the income in general. A lot of people have been working on this number. It is 100% a fabricated number. The blog post, for reasons that cannot be explained, still continues. We typically, we typically do not talk about this. Let me interject. Because it's made up, the blog post continues. Because frankly, you shouldn't have to think about it. We'd rather you focus on doing what you do best, but to fully answer the question of why not 70-30, ignoring the high cost of delivering Twitch services, ser service, I'm sorry, ignoring the high cost delivering the Twitch service would have meant giving you an incomplete 
answers. <laughs> All right. The blog post continues. What's next? When someone asks me why Twitch is the best place to make money as a streamer, my answer starts with first and foremost with community. Community on Twitch is real and tangible. From chat memes to grammar emotes to TwitchCon meetups, and yes, to how streamers earn money, that's particularly because of our work to equip you with the right tools. Let me interject. This sentence offends me. It really, really does. Please, my fellow Twitch streamers, I want to know, what tools has Twitch given you lately? The ad revenue tool that is basically committing seppuku on your channel. Um, the charity tool you are probably never ever going to use because you already picked another charity tool that was third party and functions way better. Oh, someone in chat actually did give me a very, a good answer. It has given, they have given us a tool to see when chat was most active during your stream, which admittedly gives the potential of being useful. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. It, it. It's given us an analytical tool. I'm surprised we didn't have years ago. An analytical tool, I hate to break it to you, that YouTube has had since live tr streaming started. Uh-huh. So to try and tell me that Twitch has been right there with me, trying to help me build my community, when in fact, Twitch has done nothing to help build any communities out there that aren't the top, not 1%, but the top 0.05%. Those are the only people that actually get any type of real help on Twitch. Because those are the people that find themselves on the front page of Twitch. Those are the people that find themselves at the top of the suggested streams feed. And in fact, the suggested streams feed, oddly enough, because they did such a poor job of it, ends up being ignored. Most of the time when I actually like, just out of curiosity's sake, go ahead and take a look at the suggested streams page. What do I find? I find a really big Final Fantasy 14 streamer, one guy playing poker, a guy I follow, a guy I follow, a guy I follow, another very big Final Fantasy 14 streamer, RPG Limit Break. Okay, that person I might actually check out. A big streamer that I have... Actually, that's the guy I, I got interviewed by. Neat. And then a game I'm not interested in. This actually might be the most successful I've ever seen suggested streamers be. Literally the most helpful I've ever seen it be. Do you know, as a small streamer, what the number one suggested tool is to growing your stream? It is literally make content outside of Twitch. Twitch is so bad for growing your community that you are strongly recommended to go anywhere but Twitch. That's how bad it is. Let that sink in. The blog post for reasons that cannot be explained still continues, but we don't have much more to go. We believe that the most compelling offering for streamers, and there's still more we can do, the best Twitch is the one we build together and your feedback helps us evolve in the right direction. Let me interject. Even though we have completely ignored your feedback and have given you garbage tools 
garbage moves, removal of tools you actually used and want back, but we're going to ignore that anyway. And the fact that we are blatantly ignoring the fact that everyone's asking for a 70-30 split to be competitive with your biggest competition right now. We're going to ignore all that, but please, we listen to your feedback. The blog post ironically continues with, as always, if you have any feedback, the best place to share is Twitch user voice. Thank you for your time. Signed, Dan Clancy. All right. You get my point of why I have problems with this blog post. And I, as well as countless streamers out there, are strongly looking at this letter and how few cares Twitch actually gives about their streamers. Because that's what this says. This is one giant, massive, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one paragraph blog post of how they don't care about you, the streamer, while trying to lie to your face and say they do. That we need to go ahead and cut revenue, and you need to go ahead and try to go- try to make more money by making your content unwatchable with ads because we can't invent a tool that's worth using for anything, but please run more ads and kill your content. That is what this blog post basically amounts to. We're not giving you any more morning, any more money, piss off and go run more ads. That is what this whole thing amounts to. And I'd have to go back and actually see if I swore at all. I don't think I did, but man, do I want to. And I'm sure many, many other podcasters, Twitch streamers and whatnot would have far more colorful language than I would. But I try to do everything in my power not to stream, not to swear on this podcast. And countless other streamers right now are looking at the logistics it would take to move their platform over to YouTube. Because one of the biggest criticisms YouTube live streaming has is that the discoverability of YouTube live streams is very, very weak compared to the discoverability of their videos. How is that different from Twitch? They show they don't care. All they've done is take away feature after feature after feature after feature. Hosts are gone. Automated reruns to try and put our channel to work while we're away, gone. Twitch's attempt to try and make VOD content viable with premieres, gone. They have tools they could be using, but they're not. Here's how I view this. I plan to continue to stream on Twitch. I do. I already have a contingency in play that if Twitch went down overnight, I could still continue my hobby. And that's what streaming is to me. It is a hobby. It is not my livelihood. But I have gone through and made sure that if something did happen, I could be back up and running on YouTube within about an hour's worth of changing settings around. Over the next few weeks, I will be going ahead and reevaluating all these measures I put in place long ago and begin contemplating, do I want to pull the trigger? Do I want to remove myself from Twitch and stream on YouTube? Because this entire post, even though when push comes to shove, this doesn't affect me at all. I've never been on a 70-30 split. I've been on 50-50 the whole way through. But the fact that this is the mentality that the president has towards the streamers, towards his subcontractors that make the site what it is, 
is very eye-opening. And I do encourage any other streamer, especially, especially if this is your livelihood, if your paycheck, if you are a full-time streamer, I would strongly recommend you take an extra day off during your weeks and begin looking into and having a plan for what it would take to move to YouTube. You combined all of this, the fact that the president clearly doesn't care about the people that make the platform, the fact that more and more and more, there has been this aura of dread and decay over the platform of Twitch as more and more features are being gutted. It makes you wonder what is going on at the bottom line that all of a sudden now, because keep in mind, Twitch has been around for a long time and has been able to at least break even for a long time. But something is going on at the top. Whether it is that Amazon is putting the squeeze on for Twitch to be more profitable, or if there is some mismanagement financially with the Twitch department of Amazon that is hurting the company as a whole, you can feel that that Twitch is in danger. And this letter kind of forces that through. It also shows that the Twitch management is going to insist on lying to our face and try to have it be shown as them being transparent. And that's what the point of this was. It was to try and pretend they are being transparent. But the $1,000 number is a lie. We can prove it's a lie. Plain and simple. My final note on all of this, this upcoming TwitchCon is going to be the most important TwitchCon ever. TwitchCon is normally when Twitch shows off what new features they have been working on the site over the last year and what they plan on implementing for the year to come. If this TwitchCon doesn't show that they have good, substantial improvements on the way, I fear there'll be an exodus so big of Twitch that Twitch will collapse in on itself and perish within the year. That is my prediction. I want to be wrong, but these are very concerning and dire times ahead of Twitch. We're going to take a a long overdue break because this segment ended up being three times the length of a normal segment. When we come back, we are going to grind through our remaining stories and get to... Of course, the RTX 4080, 4080, and 4090. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so one bit of news that was brought to my attention afterwards, and some of this actually isn't as big a story as I thought it would be. I thought everyone would have picked up on this on this story, but following the revenue split blog post that I just ranted on for about an hour, the Twitch content chief has left the company to, quote, 
find a new adventure. Well, not really a quote, but more just more embarking on a new ad- adventure that will that will provide her with growth opportunity. It has been revealed by Bloomberg that the senior vice president of global creators consistence Knight. I'm sorry. Go, the I'm sorry. The president of global creators Constance Knight. Which, by the way, that is an awesome name. Can I just say Constance Knight? If that is her real name, you won the name lottery. If that's not, that is an amazing pseudonym regardless. Like, props. Anyway, en- enough about being more Marvel than a name than I should be. Has reportedly handed in her resignation on the same day the company announced the controversial changes to the platform's revenue split. In a report by Bloomberg, it's alleged that Knight sent out a letter to employees that stated... She is embarking on a new adventure that will provide her with growth opportunities for her professional career and personal life. It is reported that Knight's new role will be involved in the creator space in some capacity, although it although it doesn't reveal just what yet her new job will be. I, if you think this is unrelated at all. I don't know what to say. This is 100% related. This is 100% resignation in... What's the right term here? It's not disgrace. I am blanking on the, on the correct term for this. Resignating in disgust for this policy move by Twitch. This isn't good. This is not what you want to see. And the fact that this isn't being mentioned more is very surprising to me. I'm telling you, this TwitchCon is very, very important. Incredibly so. And I want to be clear about one thing here. I hope Twitch can turn around. I hope they can recover from this. And I hope they actually start setting down the correct path. I really do. Because right now, there is not a whole lot of competition in the streaming space. There is... YouTube, which is not putting their best foot forward on it, and they really need to. And I really do wish the head that they did have at that helm didn't leave for a terrible crypto venture. And you want to know what the next biggest streaming platform is after YouTube? You're going to hate the answer because I hate the answer. I really hate the answer. It's TikTok. Yeah, what's the revenue share on TikTok? Someone in chat says Facebook. It's not Facebook. Not even close. Not even close at all. Do you know what the revenue split on TikTok is? It's 0-100. TikTok literally pays its content creators in exposure. That is how TikTok operates. Oh, but what about that program that, that TikTok has? That gets you some revenue, right? No, not really. There is a, a, there is a partner program, but... The threshold to actually be in that TikTok partner program, it's harder to it's it's harder to get into that than it is to be a Twitch partner. I'm dead serious. It is one of the most exclusive partnership programs, and even then, the revenue split is something like 199. One for you, 99 for TikTok. The only reason to be on TikTok, and I do mean this seriously, is the exposure, because there are Way too many eyeballs on TikTok. And as a content creator, as much as I hate TikTok and the way they operate, you have to be there. 
if you have any hope of growth as a content creator, you have to be on TikTok, even though they treat you like dirt and literally treat you worse than an Amazon employee. Let that sink in for a minute. You are treated worse as a TikToker than a random employee in a warehouse floor in an a- in Amazon. That's it. That's it. Someone in chat says in Chechnya, you get gifts. You climb the ladder. If you're in top 20, you get really good cash. I don't believe that because everything else that TikTok shows in every other country shows you get nil. In, in, in the US, you get nada. In Europe, you're on the same program. TikTok is not a platform to make money on. TikTok is a platform to get your name out there. You literally have to treat TikTok as a free advertising platform. That's it. Live streaming on TikTok is terrible. Funny enough, there's actually one controversy kind of going out about um, lewd streaming on Twitch being a huge controversy. And there is some problems with lewd streaming on Twitch. There's been some accusation about pedophilia, but I mean, there's also the those streams should be shut down and Twitch needs up its moderation game. There was, in fact, a streamer on TikTok that literally, literally just went ahead and streamed them in very, very explicit acts on Twitch and got banned for seven days. Now they're back on Twitch and actually now even bigger than before. One of the viewers in my community, however, got banned for 14 days for saying something that that was uh, terrible, I guess, but we still don't know what. And they still don't know what. Twitch won't tell them. They're left in the dark. They're banned for 14 days for reasons they still cannot explain. So yeah, I do hope that Twitch does recover from this. All right, let's talk about the RTX 40 series. NVIDIA! much to our surprise, actually did announce the RTX 40 series. But now here's something that's concerning about the RTX 40 series. First off, we have three cards, the RTX 4090, the RTX 4080, and the RTX 4080. Does this sound confusing? Well, here's the reason, all right? The RTX 4090 is pretty much the the top dog. At $1,700, it is the biggest, baddest, most power-sucking GPU there is, and, you know, very, very few people are going to go ahead and get a 4090. But it is pretty much, it's exactly what you expect. It's the top dog. You're not going to get it, though. Then we have the RTX 4080 with 16 gigabytes of RAM, and the RTX 4080 with 12 gigabytes of RAM. So you think that'd be it, right? That's the only difference between the two, and one slightly less expensive than the other? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh no, not in the least. The RTX 4080 with 16 gigabytes has 9,728 CUDA cores. The RTX 4080 with 12 gigabytes of RAM has 7,680 CUDA cores. There is substantially less performance on the 12 gigabyte variant versus the 16 gigabyte variant. What's even more telling is that the 16 gigabyte variant is $1,200. The 12 gigabyte variant is $900. There is a $300 difference between the two cards. So what's going on here? Why does this exist? Why is there this much of a difference? Someone in chat already said it. The real names of these three cards 
is the RTX 4090, 4080, and 4070. But they didn't want the bad publicity of selling a 70 tier or 70 tier card at $900. So they came up with this skewed, misleading, infuriating, anti-consumer naming scheme to get around that dirty little fact. Tell me I'm wrong. You know it, I know it. They didn't wanna have a $900 70 card. They wanted to make sure that that 70 card would be somewhere around the $500 mark like it, like it has been the last couple of generations. Here's my stance on these cards. I could go over all the fat. I could go over all the graphs that Nvidia gave us and they gave us plenty of graphs. They gave us all kinds of things with big green bars and gray bars showing how everything's better. Oh, they give us all their in-house demonstrations of AI this and DLSS that. But here's the thing. These graphs make Apple look more honest. And I'm serious. Apple graphs give more information than this. Oh, look, it's 3x better, I guess, somehow. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to wait until the cards come out and hear the actual results. Oh, by the way, there's some other fun controversies going around right now. These connector, these cards use a special connector called a PCI Express 5 connector. It is, in fact, a 12-pin connector with an additional four pins on top of that. You know what's interesting about this connector? This connector is rated for 30 cycles. That's it. 30 that means the connector is only rated to be connected disconnected and reconnected 30 times on average for bonus points because of the way that these connectors work if you try and use adapters to convert your existing power supply to this new connector there is a decent chance that the the cable can catch fire. Someone in chat asked the cord or the port itself, both. Now keep in mind, 30 reconnections, that's probably not gonna be reached by the average user. But I want you to consider this. The card is installed and plugged in. That's one of your 30 cycles. Most likely at the factory, it's then disconnected and then other tests are run. That's another one. That's two of your 30 cycles. You get it home, it has been jostled around during transport to wherever, whether it be your front door immediately, or to the store where you bought it, and then that PC is transported over to your home. That's who knows how many cycles taken away just by the rubbing around. We'll say two cycles when everything's done. A few months down the road, something go goes awry with some drivers because it's a brand new card and you're running diagnostics most likely you have now unplugged the gpu about an additional two or three times to make sure that the cable that you just heard rumors about being faulty is not faulty that's two or three more cycles gone you see how this is very quickly adding up and this is only within the first little bit of owning the machine now there's a decent chance that after these examples that you just mentioned you might never touch it again and you're fine the connector being this weak however is a problem especially with this much power going through it the rtx 4090 
can draw 450 watts. I have here on my desk three monitors, a compact XLR interface, stream deck, two big LED spotlights, two Z440 workstations, one running with a GTX 1060 and the other rocking a 1660-60 Super. I'm sorry, 16, no, 1660 Super. All of this combined draws 425 watts. Admittedly, both PCs are not under a full load. One is powering the stream and the podcast I'm recording right now, which is not all that much of a load on the system, to be perfectly honest. I intentionally give myself plenty of headroom. So when things do happen, there's plenty more to give the system. The other gaming PC isn't doing much either. It's actually playing the, um, the title screen of Final Fantasy XIV on a loop right now. So it's not like it's doing nothing yet. If you are getting a 40 series card, I will just tell you this right now. Do not expect this to be an upgrade for your current system. Expect to be upgrading the power supply and with the attractiveness of the new AMD platform that's coming out in a few months, it becomes more and more logical to instead of upgrading your power supply uh, while upgrading your GPU and then most likely having to upgrade some component of your case to go ahead and, uh, and offer the additional airflow because now your GPU is using 50% more power. If you're getting one of these new cards, you're most likely looking at a whole new system and a whole new system that honestly, you're going to be better off waiting a few months for anyway, because there's going to be a massive generational leap forward with the AMD Ryzen. Was it Zen four architecture? I think it's Zen four. I'm, 80% positive send for you're almost better off just going with a whole new PC anyway. And keep in mind, as some people are pointing out that power supply upgrade, you need to make sure it's an ATX 3.0 power supply. Otherwise you're not going to have that cool connector and you'll be using adapters, which because it doesn't have the data port that's on these ATX 3.0 cables, it'll just draw max load, which is what's causing the fire on these cables that are only rated for 30 cycles you can't make this up it's just wow wow that's all you can say just wow someone in chat asks are they available on laptops not yet honestly i'm very curious though what a laptop version of an actual fire looks like zone in chat asks will they continue to manufacture the 30 series most likely not but we'll get to this later there are tons of 30 series on the market. All right, we have a lot of other stories to get through. Let's just start ramming through these very quickly. Someone in chat says they have stopped manufacturing 30 series a month ago. I believe that to be 100% true. I mean, I do know that uh, EVGA stopped manufacturing 30 series a month ago. EVGA also stopped manufacturing all series a month ago. Rest in peace, EVGA. We hope to see you in the video card space again soon we need your insanity and your customer support anyway speaking of customer support um we found a a cool feature inside someone in chat says don't worry evg will make our future atx 3.0 power supplies it's true they probably will 
for those who don't know evga said they are no longer be making video cards which was 80 percent of their business they are still gonna be making motherboards power supplies and other components but not video cards anymore which is interesting to say the least also gamers nexus had a video regarding the naming scheme of board partner 40 series cards and um we don't have a lot of time to go over it here today i strongly recommend you go watch it just because even if you don't know a whole lot of tech just go watch it and listen to some of these names and then share in our madness some of those names were just stupid the iphone 14 in the u.s does not have a sim card tray at all if you are in canada or anywhere else but the united states you will have a sim card tray in the u.s the iphone 14 uses e-sim only so what do you find on the motherboard of an iphone 14 in the u.s you're thinking some kind of cool chip that stores the eSIM data right would you believe it's a plastic brick i am dead serious on this tiny admittedly very complex multiple layer motherboard that apple has constructed like give all the flack you want to apple and they deserve most of it the actual logic board and primary board of the iphone is fascinating on just the thickness and engineering of it it is such a small board so to see a large chunk of the space wasted by a plastic brick is impressive. Someone in chat asked, can we use that brick for an audio jack instead? Oh, we could have, but we couldn't. Though, don't you know, there's no room in an iPhone for an audio jack anymore. Despite the fact that, you know, there's a big plastic spot of wasted space on their motherboard. But no, there's no space for a headphone jack. All of you that want a headphone jack on your phones are asking for way too much it is far more important to have a brick of wasted space on the phone meanwhile speaking of wasted space google and framework have been working together to make an upgradable chromebook now i like framework i like the concept of a company that builds their laptops from the ground up to be easily repaired and upgraded it is something that the laptop space needs don't buy a thousand dollar chromebook though <laughs> i'm sorry just don't like look you need a chromebook for schools fine the used market is flooded with 20 dollars used chromebooks that need a home that can't have a future because they have chrome os on them and they're locked to chrome os with framework i'm willing to bet that it's not locked in i am willing to bet that these thousand dollar chromebooks that you shouldn't buy you should not buy a thousand dollar chromebook at all don't just don't bad i don't care who makes it i don't care if framework makes it i don't care if lenovo makes it i don't care if apple makes it do not buy a thousand dollar chromebook that is a bad investment stop that there's a better use of your money and i know every single person that's saying you're gonna buy it you are lying and are trying to troll me i know you are none of you should go ahead you are you do not love chrome os shut up no you do not <laughs> look here, here's the thing if you like chrome os let me tell you something you are not using a computer you are you i know you're trolling me you are using a web browser only you would be better off you would be much better off buying a windows computer and installing linux chromebooks are a blight 
and I want to stress this enough, are a blight on the computer space. If you believe that your primary PC should be a Chromebook, you are incorrect. There is a plethora of better options. Install virtually any flavor of Linux on it afterwards. Heck, here's for added bonus points. I have over here, oddly enough, a little Dell 12 inch laptop right here. All right, this little sucker would have been destined for a landfill if no one bought it. All right, just a simple little thing. We got two USBs on it, a USB-C, HDMI out, ethernet, SD card reader. You know, little cute thing, very basic laptop. You wanna know how much this thing costs? $55. And this thing is a far more capable PC, period. And this is the problem I have with Chromebooks because Chromebooks could very easily be a real computer. You could very easily install Pop! OS, Ubuntu, pick your flavor of Linux and turn it into a functional PC. Heck, a lot of these like this framework one, you could install Windows on it. And here's the thing with the framework one. I actually don't have a problem with this. I don't. Framework is a company that's all about reusability and versatility. The framework laptop, because they go ahead, give you the schematics and give you full capability of the laptop. If I buy this as a thousand dollar Chromebook now, which by the way is a terrible investment, there is nothing stopping me from installing Windows on it. There's nothing installing me, uh, stop me from installing Ubuntu on it. There's nothing stop me from installing Pop! OS, Debian, pick your flavor, nothing. My biggest problem with Chromebooks, and I wanna be clear on this, is first off, they try to push themselves off on being a fully functional computer for the masses. And it's not, that is a lie. This computer I'm holding in my hand right now has more usability. Someone in chat says Windows costs more money because of Office 365. What? No. Windows does not have Office 365 built into it. Office 365 is a separate program. Those are, those are two completely unrelated things. Windows costs more because of the Windows license. Almost all Windows computers have a 50 to $100 additional cost to them because of the Windows license to use it. That is true. But Office 365 is completely separate. Now, someone asked about the framework laptop and its capabilities. It is rocking a Core i5-1240p processor, which is four power cores and eight efficiency cores and a 30 watts of sustained performance. So it is a standard x86 laptop, which means you can do pretty much anything with it. By the by, the, $50, the $55 laptop I'm holding right here that's used, that $55 is including the Windows 10 license that's on it. And it's ready for Windows 10 upgrade for free. I'm just saying, if you're looking for a cheap computer, the used market is the way to go. Look for your HP Elite Books. Look for your Dell Latitudes. Look for your Lenovo ThinkPads. And you will find a plethora of used, cheap, good condition laptops for way less than you'd expect. Just do a little bit of hunting around and you'll be surprised the gems you can find. Like this little guy right here. Few scratches, surface level cosmetics, that's it. Oh yeah, like I said, for a, I wouldn't do this. I would not pay $1,000 for a Chromebook. The most I would pay for a Chromebook because I've seen the used market for Chromebooks and how 
flooded the used market is for Chromebooks and how little power a Chromebook actually needs is $30. And that's not exaggerating. So on that, on that ground alone, way too expensive. I would buy a framework laptop though. The company actually does look very, very promising. The latest Asus ROG Phone 6D has been out. And one of the things that's catching a lot of people's attention is the active cooling solution it has. See, Asus doesn't care about your, about your power, about your, uh, your water resistance. They have a cooling port on it. And in fact, you can attach a device to it that has a fan in it that will suck air from the cooling port to actively cool whatever the heck chip they threw in there, which is specifically a MediaTek Dimensity 5000 chip or 9000 chip, which I have no idea what that is, running at 3.2 gigahertz with 16 gigabytes of LPDDR5X RAM. I'm just blown away by this phone. And, and, you know what makes this phone even more incredible? Are you ready for this? This phone has a headphone jack. I know, I can't believe it either. That by far is the biggest news on here. I'll be very curious to see how good the cameras are, how good everything else is. But you know what? Hey, good looking phone. Zona chat says Asus isn't a phone manufacturer though. They are though. They do make phones. <laughs> Asus is quote, a, hard, a hardware board manufacturer that makes phones. Doesn't that make them a phone manufacturer? That'd be like me saying Apple doesn't make iPhones. Apple is a computer manufacturer that makes phones. Like I'm just, I, I don't, I don't get what the point being made here is. That's like saying, I don't, I, what, what, what is the statement here being made? I don't get it. If we're trying to go ahead and say, oh, they, they don't have their own factories. Of course they don't. Dell doesn't have their own factories either. They go ahead and, 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 and design stuff and send it out to Foxconn to manufacture. It's the same story here. That doesn't change the fact that it is an Asus made phone. I, I don't know what what this per, what this person in chat's thought process is here. I'm I'm completely lost. Apple thinks like Apple and Samsung. Asus thinks like Asus. I'm I'm incredibly confused and moving on. Asus thinks like a P, thinks like a PC manufacturer. Okay, I agree with that. But let me ask this again: How does this not make Asus a phone manufacturer? It does. I don't know what the point was. Now, all right. Anyway. I, I feel like I just went in one giant circle. Anyway, we'll have to see more details of the phone as it gets in the hands of reviewers. I'm curious as to the performance of, I'm, I'm curious as to a lot of things about this phone. A lot of people are focusing on the cooling port of this phone, which is brand new to the phone in general. It's not the first time we've seen a cooling vent on a phone, mind you, but it, it will be very curious to see how well this new MediaTek chip performs versus the Snapdragons we usually see and how necessary this cooling vent actually is for the phone. The Pico 4 has been announced from ByteDance, the same makers of TikTok for, look, I'll be perfectly honest, just don't get it. <laughs> just don't. 
look ByteDance makes their money not with ads but by just collecting data and selling the data do you really want to go ahead and trust them with a vr headset when you don't trust facebook with a vr headset no this is going to be like facebook's vr headset but worse just just no just 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 don't the specs are kind of okay the price is pretty low which has me being instantly concerned about how well it's going to do the usb promotion group is in the news again but this time with some mildly competent news the usb promoter group has decided that instead of numbers they're going to use numbers they are instead just going to say usb and the speed capability that the port is able to use okay this is better i wouldn't say this is the correct answer but this is a better answer to saying usb 4.0 gen 2 i think you should have just gone with 4.1 and just had the specifications listed in that i think that's the correct answer just do that it's much easier to print next to the usb port in any case that's where i stand on that better move we could do better instacart is launching a suite of new features to grocery stores to make them smarter using a smart cart that will have a credit card reader built into it and just i guess shop and check out as you go or something i have some concerns with this technology i don't know how well this is gonna go i also want to know what kind of anti-theft tools it has that's what i really want to know and before anyone asks no i don't think it has a headphone jack zona chat asking you pay with your finger on a smart card i don't know i really don't know i would assume because i see an ingenico credit card reader on the next to this tablet on the cart that if you have say a nft powered card it would be built into that card reader because that's usually what uh what the ingenico readers have if a fingerprint red smart card has that sort of thing that connects that communicates via nft i would assume that's there but that's assuming a lot in any case this whole thing is just a concept for now we would have to wait and see the actual implementation of this and how many of them are stolen now for those who are actually shopping for used video cards you should be aware because cryptocurrency miners after cryptocurrency mining has become unprofitable are selling off their gpus in mass bulk and how they're cleaning them and making sure they're ready to be sold is simple in its brilliant design they're just hosing them off with a power washer if you are buying a used gpu i would strongly recommend you plug it into the system power it up the safety features on your motherboard and power supply will keep any sort of terrible things from happening most likely hopefully and then use a tool like firmark to put a load on the gpu to make sure it runs properly and i want to stress use firmark you want to make sure you put as big a load as possible on the gpu so that every single core of it is stress test now 
the imagery I'm showing on the video portion of the stream or the uh, podcast, which you can find at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon is uh, horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. As is literally just someone taking on a loop, a pressure washer and hosing off the whole thing. I will be perfectly honest. No, actually, I take that back. This is as bad as it looks. If they were using deionized water, it would be another thing. But I see like darkened water coming off. The other thing is that I do not think that any, there's no chance they are using any kind of filtered deionized water, which means that they are coating these things in all kinds of minerals. The thing is that by the time you get the GPU, they're dry. Any water is going to be gone. The minerals in the water, however, will be left behind and those could bridge and cause a short. Just be cautious. That's all I got to say. This would be another thing entirely if they were spraying with distilled water. Oh, hey, this one picture, we get to see their toes. Yeah, the last picture they're showing it actually being cleansed with ozone water, which would have been the correct method. But I seriously doubt they are doing with it. Maybe they are. Maybe this. Maybe they actually are doing this on the up and up. And they're trying to go ahead and sell these good. You just want to make sure that whatever used market you get them on, you test them thoroughly and you can do it within the 30 day return window that a lot of these used sites have. However, this brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. There is actually some good news for this week. You see, the cyberpunk genre has taken massive blows recently. Cyberpunk's a very interesting sci-fi genre. Shadowrunner, of course, being one of the games that has been at the forefront of the genre for a while. There's been plenty of others as well, Deus Ex. But of course, Cyberpunk 2077, when it launched, basically killed the genre. The game launched in such a mess that it was unplayable. However, Cyberpunk 2077 has seen a huge, underline huge surge in users. You want to know how? It's not because of any recent patch. It's not because of any renewed marketing campaign. It is not because of anything CD Projekt Red has done to breathe new life into the game. CD Projekt Red, to their credit, has been spending the last months and years trying to resurrect Cyberpunk 2077, and they've done a decent job of it. Do you know what finally brought the game back to life? The cash grab Netflix show. I am dead serious. Cyberpunk 2077 Edge Runners launched on Netflix a few weeks, I think a little bit more than a month ago. And the show, despite the fact that it came off at first as one giant massive cash grab, you know what people have been discovering? Very slowly because they were very hesitant at first. And then when people actually watched it, they started spreading the word. The show's actually good. I had to go watch it for myself. The actual anime being only 10 episodes, I'm not going to give any details on it, but it had a bit of a slow start, but the anime is really good. And this has actually led to the game having a resurgence. Now, I will give you one warning about the show before you go off and watch it for yourself. It is not a show for kids. It is not. There is quite a bit of, there, there is a decent amount of nudity. 
it is there is a decent amount of um of of graphic violence it it is definitely intended for the 18 plus crowd zona chat says they're pretty they're, they're sure it's listed it's clearly listed as cvma i actually can't remember what it's listed as i'm it's probably listed as that i'd say let me go find out but i know there's no way my netflix is now going to actually let me uh see it right off the bat so it's going to take me a bit to find it to which then uh sounds came over the years and i don't know if it was her on the podcast or not if it was i apologize uh, it is listed as tvma but netflix doesn't exactly clearly list these things it is something that you should you should know before going in in my opinion and that's that's a flaw of netflix in my opinion but to say that i never thought that a show that everyone just assumed was just one giant cash grab to actually go ahead and resurrect what everyone just uh, just kept calling the worst launch ever for a video game is in itself very very impressive folks that is going to do it for this episode of eagle eyes on tech thank you so much for listening and i do encourage you check out the daily podcast the early bird briefing which hopefully will not have another 55 minute episode anytime soon but it absolutely did regardless and you can find that anchor.fm slash early b-i-r-b briefing or if you just want to find whatever the heck i'm working on eaglefalcon.carrd.co take care and i hope you have a good day Now, with that all being said, I will say this much for for Edge Runners: the detail they put into the anime is impressive because they actually did recreate certain segments of the game within the actual show. One of the side characters' apartments, for instance, is based on another apartment you can actually find in the game. I don't know all the details; it's just things I found while doing a little bit of research. Plus, I don't actually own the game because I was told to stay away from it because it would set my little my little scrapyard computers on fire. But the fact that this much effort went into this game and this anime is incredibly, incredibly impressive. I feel like I should have more to say. Eat pickles.